Part 1 Chapter 2 The Dark Wood Home lingered fresh in her mind, stinging and raw. The hurried packing of cheese, bread, and apples. The note she'd left on the table. The final glance at Ma and Da's sleeping faces. All of it replayed again and again, like a song she wished she'd never heard, or could listen to just one more time. She felt a tinge of pity for the faded brown cloak she'd snatched from the peg behind the door, forced against its will to come along and watch her back on this foolish flight into the unknown. Southward they went towards the dark wood, the southern border of the kingdom of Gravia. She had never been, but the dark wood had a way of conjuring fearful specters in a child's mind. Fireside tales, brewed in terror, passed down through the years were the culprit. She'd heard so many tales that she'd sworn the Darkwood was the last place she'd ever go. And yet, here she was, about to enter that place of nightmares. She cast a glance at Ajax, dauntless at her side. On his back swung the woodcutter's axe, given to him by his da two years past, when he'd taken up the family trade. Tucked in his belt was the dagger he'd offered her for protection. She had declined. What did a girl like her know of fighting? What did the boy walking next to her know of it for that matter? Except for the imaginary battles he'd fought with stick swords, Ajax was a stranger to such things. The wood loomed up in front of them, ominous in spite of the cheery afternoon sun. Those haunting fireside tales were swirling through her mind, gripping her heart with a cold unrest. The dark wood was teeming with brownies, full of mischief and malevolence, so the stories said. Everyone knew that brownies were twisted, horribly behaved creatures, the much less charming cousins to fairies. Yet, for all such supposed knowledge, no one in the village could boast of seeing such beings. They were notions, spawned in the half-light, where fancy and nightmares intertwined, weren't they? Then there were the satyrs, ugly, bearded little men with goat legs who pranced about drunk all day and leaped at the first chance to snatch a stray village girl for a bride. Though worst by far, she thought, were the hairy bugbears who devoured children alive. They began with the toes, biting, crunching, one by one, savoring the sanguine feast and lapping up the gore while their victims writhed and screamed in vain for mercy. Cassandra fought the dreadful thoughts, tried to put them out of mind, especially the bugbears. No good to dwell on terrors that might never cross one's path. She was overwhelmingly glad for Ajax by her side as they stepped out of the kingdom and into the dark wood. To her surprise, death did not immediately come beneath the canopy. The sky did not fall, the world did not end. Birds still chirped and sunbeams glinted, dappling shadowed trunks and undergrowth in vibrant greens and browns. The buzz of busy insects and the pleasant smell of sap paid an unexpected visit. There was a puzzling lack of danger and misery, but surely those two miscreants had only hid themselves, biding their time, waiting for an unguarded moment to strike. The anticipation was a dagger driving slowly in torturous, unyielding. 
wasn't the dark wood accursed? The place of doom? A realization suddenly came. She didn't know one soul who'd ventured into the dark wood and returned to tell the tale. But she knew of one who hadn't. Not a year ago, a man named Rickard had gone in. The details were foggy. Some said flowers for his wife. Others that he'd wanted to prove the wood was nothing to fear. Whatever the reason, the story ended in his wife, a widow. What became of Rickard? Did he walk past these very trees? Cross the same brook? Wonder too why danger had not instantly come upon him? Fear was burrowing deep in her mind, setting up a home, tunnels spiraling further in and out. It had to stop. She forced herself to focus on the here and now, the moment she was in, not the future she feared. One foot in front of the other. Listen to the bird song, the wind whispering its secrets to the leaves. How leaves could keep a secret. They'd die and be trampled underfoot before ever leaking a word. It wasn't long before the thoughts of danger quieted down. The children even dared to chit-chat as they delved deeper in. The sun was dipping into evening, and still they had not so much as caught a glimpse of any forest folk. Cassandra was telling Ajax all about the time she had seen Lord Dillon's son from afar the day he'd come to their village. The boy, a year or two her elder, was perfectly, was perfectly dreamy. dreamy. Tall and handsome with dark hair and beautiful green eyes. Ajax was doing his best to be polite and listen to her sing the older boy's praises. He gave a nod or a word here and there, but his own mind had wandered to fantasy. The daydream of knighthood, a familiar friend to him, came to take him from the here and now. In his mind he rode through the dark wood, resplendent, clad in princely armor, and a sword swung from his back in place of the woodcutter's axe. Cassandra rode in the saddle in front of him, in a flowing azure gown, trimmed in gold, her hair in beautiful braids. She was his charge, the maiden he had sworn to protect. A change in Cassandra's tone ripped him from his daydream. Ajax, look! She pointed. A glade opened up ahead, showing off the ruddy evening sky. The sylvan picture's centerpiece was a fallen tree, a toppled giant, now nestled in the grass to rest. The giant served as a long table, and upon its flattened top was set a banquet fit for kings. All round the furnished table, on stumps and stones, sat the very creatures from the fireside tales, alive and engaged in merriment. There were the unmistakable forms of satyrs and furry squat creatures, bugbears beyond a reasonable doubt. And surprisingly beautiful were the brownies, assuredly not fairies by their lack of wings, whose skin was marked by swirling rings like wood. Before the children could duck away, the sharp-eyed forest folk spotted them and in an instant, they were surrounded by the strange creatures. A human child's not been seen for years. Not here. Not here. 
rasped a spotted bugbear gleefully. His joviality made Cassandra recoil from his advance, and Ajax stepped between his charge and the approaching monster. The steel in the boy's heart tramped down his fear. They were horribly outnumbered, but a quiet death was not in young Ajax's plans. Stay back! Ajax commanded, taking his axe in hand. He thinks we mean them harm. <laughs> Tittered a brownie, leaping up to perch atop the axe. At her touch, the weapon turned to living wood and sprouted leaves. Ajax dropped the freshly wooden axe in a mix of disbelief and disgust, as if the enchantment might spread to turn his fingers wood as well. You won't need that weapon here, boy, and better that you drop it there and let it lie. The trees would like that better, so they say. You can hear the trees? Cassandra asked, her fear forgotten. Intrigue had swept in. She stepped from behind Ajax and approached the small brownie, stooping to look into her face. Are you a true brownie? I doubt you are a fairy with no wings. <laughs> of course I am a brownie. Those fairies are always trying to pass themselves off as some of our kind. <laughs> it's nothing but jealousy, I tell you. They covet our wooded skin. Ashamed of that smooth, boring stuff that drapes their bones, I say. We brownies are the most beautiful of the forest folk, as all with eyes can attest. Shut up, Doothersoul, the bugbear who'd greeted them earlier said. Children, are you weary? Come and eat and drink with us. You're just in time for supper. By supper, I hope you mean to eat something other than us, or you'll have a fight on your hands, said Ajax. I'm no pushover, even with just a stick. None of us here would dream of eating a child. The bugbear who spoke seemed genuinely offended. The children exchanged looks, then shrugged at one another, and sat down to dine among the forest folk. There was roasted goose, venison, boiled eggs, fried fish, wild potatoes, seared pork, rabbit stew, acorn bread, mushroom soup, fruit tarts, and nut cakes glazed in maple. Satyrs danced and played their pipes to entertain while they prepared to feast. What is dinner without wine? One satyr said, leaning in toward the children. You must try the dark form of wine. Its wonder is sweet and warms the soul and stimulates the appetite. Don't take a bite before you've tried it or you'll be sorry. A toast, I say, to these beauteous children who've graced us with their company. And bring them darkthorn wine, I say. The cups were brought and set before the children, who needed no appetite stimulation after only rationed bread and cheese to eat. Ajax raised his glass to drink, but Cassandra stayed his hand. No, Ajax. She whispered, pointing down the table toward a disheveled, bearded figure gulping from a cup. Don't drink or eat. Look at that man. It's not a man, Cassandra. He said. That's just a satyr. No, he has the legs of a man. Look for yourself. She persisted. That is Rickard, the missing man. Ajax stood to look over the table and was stunned to find that he'd been wrong. 
There were man's legs on the bearded fellow. It is a man. But are you sure it's Rickard? Without waiting for a response, he addressed the man, blurting over the table and the revelers. You there! Are you Rickard? The man jolted mid-pour, and dark wine ran over the tabletop. That is my name. I'd forgotten until now. Thank you, boy. Why have you stayed here so long? Called Cassandra through the racket of the feasting. Your wife believes you to be dead, Rickard. You should go to her. What wife? He demanded. I've been here in this wood all my life. I have no wife. You are mistaken. With that, he licked the spilled wine off his hand and hoisted the cup to his lips. He doesn't remember. Cassandra mused. Something's made him forget. Do you think it's the food or the wine? Asked Ajax. The wine, of course. The satyr beside them bellowed. It's potent stuff. Lifts the spirits and sends the souls of flight. Haven't you tried it yet? But he's been here this whole time. Ajax said. Why would you keep him here for so long when he has a wife back home? We forest folk keep no one against their will. He's here by choice. The satyr answered. It's true that Darkthorn wine brings frivolity to forest folk and men alike, but if he'd just lay off the stuff for an afternoon, the magic would run its course and he'd be right as springtime rain again. Why hasn't anyone stopped him from drinking the wine then? Cassandra asked. His wife believes she is a widow. First I've heard of such a thing, said the satyr, stroking his beard. As you've heard, he doesn't know he has a wife now. Besides, he's happy here. We let happy alone to run wild beneath the leaves, beneath the trees. Will you withhold the wine from him now that you know, so he can go home? Cassandra asked. That's not for me to judge, my dear girl. The satyr said with a hint of sympathy in his voice. To each his own here. That's ridiculous, Ajax said, standing to his feet. He marched bravely over and took the cup from Rickard's hand. The man looked at the boy, first surprised, then indignant. Give it back, he demanded. No, you have a wife at home and it's time you sobered up and went to her, Ajax said, emptying the cup into the grass. Rickard watched the dark liquid seep into the ground in silence. The glade had grown quiet as a tomb. You could have heard a pine needle drop. All eyes were on the confrontation. For a tense moment, Rickard seemed like he might snap and harm the boy who stood defiantly before him. Instead, he chuckled and mussed Ajax's hair before turning back to the table and lifting the flagon to his lips. When Ajax tried to take the flagon too, the man lightheartedly picked him up and carried him over to the stream, then dumped him into the babbling water. Go and play in the stream, my boy, and leave me to my drinking. Ajax boiled with anger, but what more could be done? The forest folk were too carefree to intervene, and Rickard was far stronger. His delusioned mind took Ajax as nothing more than sport, after another quarter hour of fruitless coaxing, the children gave up. If only his wife knew he was here, Cassandra said. Perhaps we should go back and tell her. No, Ajax warned. 
The village will all know we've disappeared by now. Anyone who sees us will tell our parents, and we'll be put under lock and key. Then we'll never find Philip. Cassandra's lip quivered as she looked at Rickard, guzzling his fill of enchanted wine. It breaks my heart to think that he is here, so close to his wife, but she must go on living without him, believing he's dead. It's a cruel story, but it's not ours to change. Not now, at least. You have the right of it, but still it makes me sad. We should go, Ajax said. I don't trust the fruit now either. After a few apologies and a hurried goodbye, the forest folk let them leave without a struggle. There were many puzzled faces round the table, however. Human children, not seen for centuries, seemed so perturbed at such trifles and in such a hurry to go before the festivities ever started. The bugbear scratched his spotted head at it all. The brownie sat and pondered. The satyr drank his wine. As they made ready to leave, Ajax finagled a handful of darkthorn berries from the benevolent satyr who'd been their neighbor at the table. The little creature was doing his best to instruct them just how to make darkthorn wine. When Ajax stuffed the berries into his satchel and the children backed slowly out of the clearing, they waved farewell just before the shadows swallowed them. And when they were out of sight, they turned and ran as fast as they could. It was night in the dark wood, and now they knew the strange danger that lurked within. It was not a danger that hurt or killed or held against one's will, but a danger of losing oneself in merriment and never wanting to leave again. Why did you ask for those berries? Cassandra asked, once they were far enough away to slow the pace and catch their breath. I don't exactly know, but they seem too useful not to take. Besides, my axe was ruined back there. I don't know what I'll tell my dog when we get back home. Some magic berries might fetch a few coins to buy a new axe, don't you think? I don't know, Cassandra said. And you mean if we get back home? I mean when, said Ajax. They walked the night away, through the wood, and when they reached the other side, dawn's faint light was peering over the horizon. The sight they beheld bid them stop a moment to digest the magnitude. They'd come to the place far beyond the borders of kingdoms, far removed from comfort, laws, and customs which they knew. Out ahead stretched the rolling crags of the Agrasti Wastes. Hello everyone, this is Keith, writer and co-creator of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend about us. It really helps. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Path of Legends. We're proud to be a part of the Podbelly Network. You can find us and other great podcasts at podbelly.com. Thanks again for listening.